Welcome to the New Life Ministries podcast. In Romans 13, we are called to submit to our governing authorities. But in a world where we can see governments oppressing those they are meant to protect and allowing violence and rioting to continue unchecked, what does this actually mean? It is easy for us as humans to fight back against what the Bible says, rather than working to understand why and having faith in what Christ has called us to do. Let's join Curtis as he leads us deeper into Romans 13. Those of you joining us online or on the recording, good morning. Welcome. Glad you joined us. So in July, I listened to the book, The Once and Future King by T.H. White. You know the book? It's quoted in the X-Men movies a lot. So if you watch X-Men, it, um, it's the story of King Arthur and Camelot. And it's a really interesting, it's a neat book. Um, parts of it are like the Disney animated movie, The Sword and the Stone, and other parts of it have some very sexually focused adult topics and conversations. It's an interesting book. You ever seen the Disney movie, Sword and the Stone, where Merlin is turning the boy Wart into various animals? Wart will become King Arthur. He's turning him into various animals and giving him experiences as animals. So in the book, I mean, which is slightly different than the Disney movie, he is learning different government systems from the different animals, uh, learning how different species organize themselves. So he becomes an ant and he learns that all of the ants have a, we work as equals and follow the voice of the commander kind of way about it. Everybody's got to follow their rules. And at one point he's turned into a fish and he learns that all the fish are afraid of the king fish, that is a jackfish, who's a tyrannical leader and they're very afraid of his power and his teeth. So he learns, you know, the good and bad of that. And at one point he gets turned into a goose and he's asking the goose as a goose about going to war. And it was really interesting because the goose said going to war, only humans go to war. And this goose says of all the animals, only humans get together in groups and fight other groups of humans for land or resources. She goes, well, maybe some ants do it, but otherwise animals don't do this, only humans. I was like, oh, really interesting. And she, she said, sure, some animals will fight, you know, two males might fight for a mate or something like that, but that's it. Just kind of made me, I don't know if it's true or not, but it made me pause, no animal, I don't know. We don't see, what's that? Bonobos? What's a bonobo? Chimps go to war. Well, was that? Well, it looks like the book was not brilliant. It was an interesting book. Anyway, uh, the book is told in flashbacks as King Arthur is developing his own political idea, the, the idea of the round table where might is used for right. Uh, rather than might makes right. So the, rather than might makes right, which is the strongest get their way, his idea is that might and strength is used to support what is right. It's a great idea. But of course, the story of Camelot and King Arthur is destroyed and undone by lust and betrayal and greed for power because no kingdom, no structure, no government is without fault or sin. Um, so it's very, it's very interesting book. Um, yeah, really neat. Anyway, today we're going to talk about government and politics, and as Christians, how do we relate with government? So in the book of Romans, 
Paul's been talking about how to live now that we understand the grace and the salvation that's given to us in Jesus. Now that we understand that God has rescued us from being under sin and he's placed us in Christ and in Christ, we're restored to God, we're forgiven, we are being set free from sin. How does all of this now affect how we relate with our world? How does it affect what we do with our bodies and how we relate with ourselves? How does it affect our relationships with other people? How does it affect our relationships with enemies? And today, how does it affect our relationship with government and government authority? And so what we read might actually seem like a bit of a hard teaching. Either it sounds impossible or it sounds very naive and ideal. So we're going to spend some time looking into it. Let me offer a prayer. Father, Father, thank you uh, that even this morning we have already been dancing around the themes of your sovereignty, your power above human power, and the difficulties that we encounter um, working with people in authority over us or, or governments and government structures that allow for evil to happen to their citizens. Lord, help us to hear your word today. Help us to hear the authority that you have put in this text for us to pay attention to and to learn from it with clear heads. Help us to see it clearly and um, to understand what this is about so that we would honor you in our behavior, that we would be the people that you want us to be so that you are glorified. So in your name we pray. Amen. Romans 13, verses 1 to 7. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what is right, and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants, sent for your good. But if you are doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants, sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. Pay your taxes too, for these same reasons. For government workers need to be paid. They are serving God in what they do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them and give respect and honor to those who are in authority. So we'll stop there. So it's very um, direct. So the, what I'm going to repeat today a lot is those in authority are there for a reason. So let's unpack. I want to look at three parts of this passage. The government's authority comes from God. The authority has a responsibility or a role. And then what this word submit means. So three times, the text says that the government authority comes from God. Verse 1, for all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. Government authority comes from God. If that wasn't true, if God didn't put government leaders in place, then our response should be to rebel and to revolt. 
because our master is now Jesus. And if our master is Jesus and some human claimed to be an authority instead of Jesus, and if God hadn't put them there, well, then we'd be challenged to honor a false authority. So we'd be called to rebel. So this passage is really clear. Authority is there for a reason. It's been placed there by God. So therefore, our response should be one of respect, of submitting. Because the idea of government, the idea of government is not challenging our allegiance to the Lord. So let me say that again. Our, sorry, the idea of government is not challenging our allegiance to the Lord. The idea of government is not against following Jesus. Let me unpack this. Remember in Romans chapter 1 to 11, the first three quarters of the book, has been describing how we have this free gift that we are no longer under sin. We've been set free by, by God's grace. We've not earned anything. And to live in that grace now means that we can have a softness to the world around us, a gentleness, a humility. We are aware that there is a greater sovereignty and we are at peace with that sovereignty. So we can have this posture of gentleness, of respect towards government authority, even if we disagree on a couple points. So I, I serve on the board at New Life, and we have four or five of us who have very different opinions sometimes. And we can disagree on a couple points, but we speak with respect and gentleness and affection for each other. And then when it, whatever decision's made, we all submit to that decision. We cooperate. So when you think of the government, if you disagree on a couple of things, does that mean the government is wrong on absolutely everything? No. Like their role in building roads or in international trade or supporting charities with charity laws, the money they give to hospitals, the protocols they set up for trade and commerce between the provinces, the infrastructure they create so that citizens can have a, sense, can have a, life, a good life. Uh, making sure there are flowers and flower pots on the road. Are they wrong on all of it? No, of course not. They have a huge responsibility and we can respect it and honor it, even if there's a couple of points that we actually really disagree on. That's different than somebody who's got a bee in the bonnet. You know that phrase? Someone who's just angry and aggressive. Some people just are angry and aggressive at government all the time. That's not a biblical response or a biblical position towards authority. Now, you may ask, was Paul being naive here? Was Paul, naive, was Paul naively thinking that governments are basically good, so we should respect them? Does he understand how suspicious we have become over government agendas? Does he understand the corruption we have seen in governments throughout history? Well, the answer is not you know that some governments are good and some are bad and so we can submit to good ones and reject bad ones. Uh, the answer is going to be that all governments have a level of corruption in them. All governments are going to be broken and have sin in them at some level. There is no good, good government. So there's no ideal 
that Paul is saying we should submit to the ideal. In Paul's own time, they had just lived through Emperor Caligula, who was a, a tyrant. He, they were now in Nero's reign, Nero who would do in, incredible damage to people, a very destructive man. Paul himself had experienced injustice in local courts and by local kings. The people of Israel had a history of being overpowered by abusive governments and leaders. He knew that governments are not good. He doesn't say submit to them if they're good. There's something else going on. Those in authority are there for a reason. So he says all authority comes from God and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. What is our natural tendency towards government authority? What's our national natural tendency? I think some people just trust. They just trust that the, go the government is on their side and then when the government fails them, they feel betrayed. And I think there's another side that does not trust government implicitly and they fight with the government at, with suspicion all the time. Do, do you fall into one of those two camps? Either you just trust them and then you feel betrayed or you just fight them and are suspicious all the time. The mistake in both of those positions is the idea that the government is a god, that the government is the power, it's the authority. And if you just follow the authority, the authority's basically good, it'll take care of you. Well, it doesn't, and so you feel betrayed. Or the authority's basically bad, it needs to be fought all the time. The government is not a god. There is a god above the government, and we know that god, and we know that god is good, and we trust that god. And he has put the government there for a reason. So we can treat the people who work with the government, who are in government with respect, with submission. So let's go back to the text. Let's keep building this. What are these government authorities that are placed there by God supposed to do? So in verse four, it says, the authorities are God's servant sent for your good. It says, they are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. In verse six, it says, pay your taxes too for the same reason, for government workers need to be paid. They are serving God in what they do. In three verses, we have it that they are God's servants and they are serving his agenda. So what's that agenda? We have a hint. He said, they are sent for our good, our well-being, and they are sent to punish what is wrong. So there's a few words that appear in chapter 12 and 13 that if we were to read it all in one section, you would hear. And it's a theme or a sub-theme of good and evil and what is good and what is evil and doing good and doing evil. If I was to back up to the tail end of chapter 12, it reads this. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can do to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. So we're left. You know, if, if bad happens, do good. 
and, and you're, there's a tension there, right? Well, what, what happens with the bad? That passage goes right into chapter 13, submit to government authorities. Part of the answer of the how, the what, at the end of chapter 12 is how does God avenge is answered in 13 through the natural functioning of government. Government supports good and punishes and restrains evil. This is how they function as God's servant. They serve God by dealing out his punishment against evil. So they have a role that God has given them. So we live in a democracy. The people of Canada vote in the people who best represent our views and our agenda, and they run it, apparently. So for years, I sort of assumed that the government's prime role was to serve whatever my prime view of government was supposed to be. Whatever I thought the country needed, I should vote that person into power, and that's how the country should be run. And years ago, I had a conversation with Christine, probably when I first started. Um, and in my words, not her words, she said, the government perhaps needs to support what would otherwise not happen without them? Like what would be neglected or what would run out of control without government? The government needs to do that. Um, and I, it was a great challenge to how I was thinking about the government because I thought they're supposed to do my agenda. And she's saying, actually, what agenda gets missed? Maybe that's what they need to do. Good thinking. This passage takes it further. They're God's servants, God's agenda. They have a role, and that role is to support good and restrain and punish evil. Those in authority are there for a reason. Now we would say not all governments reward good and punish evil, or some of them change the definition of what good and evil even is. Some get it backwards. Some are completely indifferent and are very focused on their own power. God still has power over those in authority. He can work through their sin and their depravity to get his agenda done, and he can hold them accountable. One of the patterns we see in the Old Testament, uh, especially in the Old Testament prophets, when God wanted to discipline his people, he would have another nation show up and overpower and defeat them. Those other nations were said to be serving God's agenda to discipline his people whether they understood what they were doing or not. But in those same scriptures, those other nations were still held accountable for their behavior. If they went too far, if they gloated over their power, or they thought it was by their might that they had conquered God's people, God would reprimand them as well. And if you want to spend some time pondering it, Isaiah chapter 10 does a great job of God really uh, launching in against the Assyrians for their attitude towards the Israelites after they had destroyed the Israelites. We have this all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God. He values justice, and he can work through somebody's bad behavior to accomplish their plan, to accomplish his plan, without them even knowing it. It's not his first goal. He would love to work with somebody, but if they fight him, he can still do his plan. So even in arrogance, a bad government, God can, God can still use the arrogance of a bad government to accomplish his purpose. Remember at Easter, what we learned about Pontius Pilate. He lacked the nerve and the courage to set Jesus free, even though he could clearly see that Jesus was innocent. 
And it was exactly what God wanted to have happen. So government authorities are God's servants, sent to do good and restrain or punish evil. Which means, just as a thought, it's not our role to take the law into our own hands. You know that phrase, I'm going to take the law into my own hands and solve the problem? It's not our hands. The law is not given into our hands to execute justice. The law is in the government's hands. So let me go back to the text a third time. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. What is this word submit? It is not the same word as obey, as in obey in each and every circumstance. Yeah, yeah. We are called to submit. We are called to submit, but at some point we might need to disobey. And we need to be really careful here. So the word submit, it's a voluntary attitude. You freely do it of giving in, of cooperating and taking up your responsibility. To submit, it's a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, and taking up your responsibility. So when you tell your kids to clean up the table after supper and they do it, they're cooperating with you. They're likely, hopefully, they're submitting to you rather than fighting with you. So submitting is a posture. Obedience is a specific act. You can remain submitted, respectful, cooperative, even if at one point you have to disobey. So imagine being a government worker. You're trying to get your job done. You've got a boss who's giving you a mandate. And all day long, the people you work with are fighting with you. They're complaining about how bad you are. They're trusting you in ways that, where they're not taking up their side of living. And then you start working with a few folks that are Christians, and they turn out to be good citizens. They're agreeable. They're cooperative. They speak with kindness. They're not blaming. What a great witness that would be for how God changes people. Christians that say, thank you, that say, please, that smile, that show interest in how that particular authority is doing that day because they're just people. Scripture here and in several other places tells us to submit to government. Don't have that be in your bonnet every time you relate with the government. So we need to take this seriously. We are to cooperate with government because he's placed them there for our good to restrain evil except when we are ordered to do what is incompatible with allegiance to Jesus, and there we might disobey. Because there are lots of examples in Scripture of people, of God's people, disobeying authorities. Read through the book of Daniel. Read through the book of Acts. But as Charles Colson put it, in each case, the reason was to demonstrate submissiveness to God, not defiance of government. And that's a big difference. In each case, it's to demonstrate submissiveness, allegiance, faithfulness to God, not to demonstrate defiance against government. There's a great story in The Hiding Place by Corey Tenboom, where the German uh, Nazis have invaded and took over Holland in World War II. And this question of, 
at what level do you submit to government and at what level you, do you disobey become a, became a very big question because here we had all of a sudden Holland had, Holland had a new government that seemed to be doing bad all the time. And then they gave this specific edict or mandate to turn over all the Jews to be sent to concentration camps. Do you disobey the government edict and protect the Jews? Do you lie to the government in order to protect the Jews? Like, do you sin and do wrong in order to do what is right? Like, that's a, that's a tricky question. You have to really navigate each situation as disciples. There's this great story of her neighbor or her aunt, I think it was her uh, Tanta Heli, um, who felt it was wrong to lie, period. No matter what we do, we do not lie. And so one day the Germans invade her home and they ask her where she's hiding Jews because they suspect she is hiding Jews. And she says, oh, they're under the kitchen table. Now understand in the Dutch home, you have a thick tablecloth on your table when it's not in use. The wall hanging I have in my office, the tapestry is a Dutch tablecloth and it goes to the floor. It's a huge thick cloth. And she's like, oh, they're under the table. And the Germans thought this was ridiculous and they tear her, heart, her home apart looking for these uh, Jews. And in the end, they find nothing, and, and so they leave. And they didn't check under the table. And that's where the Jews were. So she spoke the truth. And God was able to work with that and save the people that he needed to save. So as disciples, we have to discern and figure out how do we respond if the government gives us a command that disagrees with following the Lord, that compromises our allegiance to Jesus but we want to demonstrate submissiveness to Jesus, not just defiance of government. So let me summarize uh, what this passage has looked at, and then we'll talk about what's caught your attention. So those in government authority are there for a reason. Paul tells us that one of the proper responses to God's gift of grace to us is to submit to government authorities. They are there because God has placed them there. If he hadn't, we would rebel. We are to have a posture of respect towards them, a humility. And Paul is not being naive. All governments will have sin and brokenness and corruption at some point. But God is greater. He is above. So we don't have to fight for our life with them and then feel betrayed. We don't, sorry, we don't have to fight for our life with them, nor do we have to feel betrayed. God is our God. The government is not our God. We said the government authorities are God's servants to help and do good, to help do good and restrain and punish evil. They have that role given to them. It's not, please do my agenda. And they will be evaluated by God in their role. He can work through their brokenness and he will hold them accountable. We are called to submit, to cooperate as a, is a good witness for what Christ has done in us. Submit is not the same word as obey. When the government mandates us to do what is against our allegiance to Jesus, we follow Jesus. But that does take discernment. So what has caught your attention in the text this morning? What, where, where, where has this been challenging you or inspiring you? What's caught your attention in the text this morning? As you were talking, I was thinking about persecution. Yeah. And how it affects the church. And I was thinking about a book I read about Nepal. And uh, 
there was a group of Christians, uh, Christians there, a small group, that was persecuted because of their faith. And they threw them in prison. And, and, and the, the more they persecuted that group, the more it grew. Yeah. And that's very common in countries, uh, in different parts of the world, where there is persecution, more persecution, a lot more than we have in Canada. And many more people seem to be coming to Christ now. So it, it helps explain a little bit well, how God can be in, in control of a government and still allow them to be persecuting the Christians, which is strange to us. And I often think of that when I think of God, and He has a much bigger picture of things than we do. And so the other night I was awake during the night and I thought about our neighbor to the south who may lose their democracy. And if they do, it may be God's will. It very well could be God is in control, even though it seems like he really isn't. And we see many reminders like that, that when we think something is the Holy Grail and should not be touched because it'll hurt Christians, it may not be the right way from God's perspective. And God really can be in control and still terrible things may happen, and terrible things may even happen to Christians. Yeah, George, I love that. I often see, I often, one of the things we don't hear about is how we don't get access to is how God has been speaking to the people who are in charge. You know, and that God could be whispering to people who are doing bad things all the time saying, don't do this, this is wrong, please stop. We don't get that information till later. But imagine, you know, on the day that they, meet their creator and get evaluated, right? And God's like, I tried to get you to stop a thousand times and you ignored me. And look at what happened. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's complex. Um, it's very complex. I think, it, especially if we are, I think of our Pakistani brothers and sisters, if, if you are, we are in a situation where the government or those in authority, say the police or the army, if they are not um, acting in the best interests of people, um, how do you reconcile that with you are you are given your authority by God? And, and I, I like that you brought in in the Old Testament. Often God said, "I gave you this authority to go and 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 do this, but you are doing it in a way that does not please me. I want you to do this, but you're still responsible for how you do it." And so, if the authority, um, the government is is in charge, and they are using their authority to to injure people, to cause chaos, to cause the breakdown of things that people need to have peaceful uh, and stable lives. They are allowed to do that because they have the authority, but they are now, they are also responsible before God. They're responsible to us as the people, but they may not care about that, but they are responsible before God. So we can know, even as we are trying to figure out what to do, that God knows, God knows, and he, they will, they will have to give an account for how they use the authority that they had in the same way that we are responsible for the authority that we have. Um, that's, uh, that's huge. And again, we come out to that question of how much God values human choice. He knows that if he doesn't give us an actual choice, then the choices that we make are not it doesn't, if I say, Curtis, you can do, you can, you can choose yes or you can no, choose no, but the, the end is going to be the same. The end result will be exactly the same. Well, it's not really a choice then, is it? You know, you can, you can go around that, that, that uh, 
snake on the road or you can run over it and, and either way, it doesn't matter, the snake will be fine. Well, then that's not a choice. That's not a choice. And so um, if humans have real choice, God values our choices more than we do. We wish people did not have the ability to choose very often. We wish that they did not have the authority and, and, didn't, and that their choices would be overridden. But God values our choices more than, than other humans do. And so you have to respect that there's a reason for that even when you don't understand it. There's a reason that God treasures that for other people as well as for you. And so that's, that's a difficult reality to find your way in. But that's, then it comes back to trusting that he is good and that his heart is strong and good and that he sees the big picture and this makes sense and is worth it for him. And he's not, and he's not disregarding you in the process of making that calculation. It's very, it's, it's difficult. Nice. Nicely said couple of thoughts. When we disobey the government, the rules that have been put in place, the ones that we're not specifically told by God that this is not what I want you to do, I think back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, kind of as the test, they followed God's law, and yet they submitted to the consequences of it even though it meant potentially losing their lives and yet good came out of it that when we disobey the government without being explicitly told by god we show a distrust in god's ability to make good come out of our obedience yeah yeah the other thing that hit me was what a deep demonstration of faith to do what god has asked us to do and face the consequences of that, even though they may lead to persecution, and yet continue to follow God joyfully, is such an incredible demonstration to the world of the difference between choosing ourselves as God and choosing God himself to lead us. That's good. I like that. Yeah, very good. Yeah, it's uh, one thing to talk about this on a Sunday morning, and it's uh, another thing to go and actually live it out during the week. I just think about um, COVID, yeah, wearing masks, paying income taxes, reporting your cash income. Like, there's just so many implications, and it makes me think of king david and i appreciated what paul had to say because i think it does come down to our hearts and our hearts in terms of trusting that god is good and that he will provide for us and that he is in control and there are bigger things that he is accomplishing in his kingdom and he's calling me to trust him, even if it costs me. And so King David was told he was going <clears> to <throat> be the next king. But he did not rejoice when Saul died. Right. He, like, his heart was really in line with God's ways and, and just waiting and trusting that God in his time would accomplish things and 
so there's like there's a, still our our posture and i think the focus like that what helps me is that that allegiance to jesus and following jesus but but what does that actually mean and and that might look different for different people and so in that sense i really need to know god i really need to know who god is what's important to him what are his ways and not my ways of thinking so there's very significant implications of actually being able to live this out um, and uh, you know still learning um, what how that looks and i think we we need to trust god's spirit we need to trust and learn from each other um, and so that's uh that's a journey nice i can make this fast you guys know that i'm interested in politics and i always have whenever there's an election i always remind you to go and vote um I would say, especially with what I've seen in the last years on social media, I would, I would seriously implore, I would implore you, I would exhort you before God, and I am not joking, this is my serious face. When you are talking about politicians, and especially if you're doing it in social media, if you're doing it with your neighbor, if you're doing it in your house, please take seriously the consideration to speak about them respectfully and to and to speak of them with like supporting like seriously you you can have whatever disagreements for example with Justin Trudeau that you that you have and and for sure some of the things that he that he has done i i really really disagree with especially the ones that come up against character issues for him those have been concerns but um what he has had to bear as a human being, as a person, as a man that he didn't sign up for. He didn't sign up to be COVID, COVID prime minister. He got elected before that all kicked off. And so um, just how he, for example, has had to figure this out. Um, how You don't have to agree with Heather Stevenson, how she's had to figure this out after it got dropped on her. You may not agree, and that's okay. But if we as Christians in our communications with our community, with our neighbors, with on social media, if we're saying, yeah, phew, I, know, I don't agree with the substance of that, or I don't agree with the policy, or I don't agree with the principle of that, or, you know, that violates some of my beliefs. But them as a person, man, I hope they, I hope they get it together. Like, I hope, I, I hope for well for them. I, I really hope, I really hope that there are no Christians in Canada who are going, yay, Justin Trudeau is getting divorced. Because that would be, that's a reflexive reaction. He's losing his wife, you know, like, that's terrible. We should be praying for them as a couple, as a family. Um, these people who are willing to put themselves out there as leaders of the police, of leaders of, of, of the, in any capacity that's trying to keep some kind of order in our, in our society, or at least who is charged with keeping order. I don't believe, Dutch, uh, like for example, Donald Trump was intent on keeping order, but he was in a position that was supposed to be keeping order. So he was responsible for that. If he did a good job on some things, great. If he did a terrible job on other things, he's responsible for that. He's still responsible. And so I think we can speak respectfully of that and we can disagree respectfully. I think we can, we should disagree sometimes. We should disagree strongly, but with, you know, respectful language and supportive and be able to talk about what you believe is, should be different. Like, think about it hard. Don't, don't run away and hide, but also don't just throw rocks. Get involved respectfully and, and strongly, but with compassion for those who are involved and, and cheering for them when they do something good. Don't just be like, yeah, they're a wash all the time. Do you know what I mean? So I just would just, just consider that. It's just some of the things that I've seen from Christians that I otherwise really respect. I'm like, 
wow, please don't say that out loud. So anyway, because otherwise, how are you any different from, from anybody else on social media? Yeah, yeah I agree. So it's funny because this section, it reminds me very strongly of a series of conversations that I have started to have and will continue to have with my daughter and then my other children as they grow up about interacting with the police. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially because she is growing up in a very different situation than I grew up um, from different years to different colors of human beings and having to have the, the, the cliff notes are there. You need to be respectful. You need to be calm. You need to not lie. You need to not withhold things that are not yours to withhold. And then there is the one thing that I don't see in this part, but is one of the really important parts that I've talked to with my kids. Uh, you need to request an advocate. You, when you are a child, you are not allowed to... If, if you are the one talking to the police and you're seeking help, that is great. You tell them the things you need to tell them. If you are stopped by the police and you don't feel safe, you say, I cannot talk to you without my mom. Because that is important. And... It, it was a, it's a fascinating thing where it feels like a chastisement, but it could very easily be a, I want to keep you safe. And these are the things that will keep you safe in a world that is not always on your side. Is often not on your side. Yeah, yeah. Nice. This is one of those parts of scripture I have real problems with. If all governments are put in place by God and we are submit to them, which submit to them. Take a situation like what's happening between Russia and the Ukraine. They were, the government's put in place, but God, don't interfere. Let them do whatever. We shouldn't be interfering. Submit. To me, that doesn't make sense. The first example that came to mind as we started discussing this is Nazi Germany. The idea that people shouldn't have resisted just boggles my mind. This is a really difficult passage that I have problems understanding. Right, and that's the difficult walk. Yeah, and so and I governments. But the, that idea of taking of being a god, um, in the Old Testament, that's what God reprimands Assyria and Babylon exactly for. You thought you were the god. It, you know, we should go through Daniel, um, where King Nebuchadnezzar really thought he was the king of kings and god of gods, and God made him into an animal for a period of time. Like this, like that is what governments do. They believe that they are in your best interest, and you need to do what they say. That's what, and so this is tricky. Right, yep. But, 
imagine if Christians revolted against governments all the time. That God is not for anarchy. Like he's not for chaos. Life doesn't exist in chaos. You need order for life to exist. And in anarchy, how would food supplies work? Who would maintain roads? What would keep you safe when you traveled from distance to distance? Like we, the government needs to provide a certain stability for life to function. And that's their job. And sometimes they make a big mess of it. So let me offer a prayer, and I'm sure we can keep discussing this. Father, uh, Father, uh, this is such a neat crowd to study your word with because we can look at it and then we can really discuss what this means to live it out. And Father, this is a tricky passage um, because we recognize that a lot of governments are really self-focused and are not doing what you have assigned them to do. But Lord, we submit to you and we recognize that you can work through our obedience in ways that we cannot comprehend. Um, Father, please give us wisdom when we encounter those government officials that we actually disagree with or we need to disagree with. But help us to be faithful and um, faithful to you that we stand on you, we follow you, and that government is just one more thing in this world that can be either for you or against you, but we, we represent and stand for you. Father, once again, we pray for our friends in Pakistan who are living out this passage in a very real way this week. Give them wisdom, give them compassion, give them the joy and the peace and the strength they need to be your people. And Father, in all of this, may you receive glory. May people praise you. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. New Life Ministries is located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. You are invited to join our service in person or over Zoom. Please use the Contact Us link to send an email to the church office and request the address or Zoom link. If you would like to use these podcasts, as part of your home church or local church gathering, you are free to do so. We do request that you let us know. If there is any other way that we can help you in your ministry, please send us an email.